a favor and just stand momentarily for the, in honor of the reading and the hearing of the word of the Lord. Today, I'm speaking out of Mark's gospel in chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. So if you have a Bible, an app, or you're welcome to watch on the screens. This is what's happening in the gospel of Mark. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. I love that. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and followed Jesus down the road. Father, thank you for the reading and the hearing of your word. Thank you that it never returns void, but it always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. And let it today be that we meet you and know you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. So I wanted to talk about change a little bit. All, All month long, we've talked about prayer and fasting and change and what happens in all of that and how it, how it really occurs in our soul. The disciples had tried to do what Jesus told them they could do one time, <coughs> and they failed, and they were really flustered. So they said, Jesus, why couldn't we make this happen? And Jesus came along, and he gave them this, <coughs> excuse me, gave them this ridiculously simple way in which they could fix this. He said, why don't you pray and fast? Now, the picture of pray and fast, if you're here and you think, wow, that sounds so spiritual, it's not for me. The picture of praying and fasting is a little more simplistic when you look at it this way. Prayer is clinging to God. Fasting is letting go of the rest of the world. So if you think about it, if you cling to that which has never changed and you let go of everything that is constantly changing, then what changes in you are those things that matter most. So when we pray, we're connecting with God. When we let go of the world and all that it offers us, we have the ability to focus consistently on God. So when these things happen, we have a picture of change. I read a story of an old country family, and uh, this fella had gone to the, to the doctor's office with his son. He'd never been in a high-rise, never seen an elevator before. And so the son said, Dad, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm going to push this button. We're going to walk in the door. We're going to go up six flights, see the doctor, and then we're going to come back down. It's totally safe. And the dad's like, mm-mm, no. So this older fella, much older than him, with a walker, got the tennis balls on the bottom, the whole thing, he kind of stumbles and staggers his way in the, the elevator, and the dad's like, let's just see if it's okay. I don't want to get in yet. So the old guy's in there. He pushes the button. You can see that it goes up. You hear the elevator. A few minutes later, the elevator comes back down to pick up the old man and his son, and out of the elevator comes this young, beautiful, vivacious woman. And the old man's eyes perked up and looked at his son, and he said, boy, go get your mama. We need to run her through this thing. (laughs) You know, change is not that easy, is it? Because if it were, I'd be riding elevators nonstop. But it's, it's never that easy. But change 
can be simple because Jesus made this point to his disciples. Hey, you've been doing things the way you've always done things, but you expect doing the same old things are going to give you a different result. So why don't you change up your routine and pray, hang on to me, and fast, let go of your things, right? And so the picture here is that Jesus is coming into this city called Jericho, and when he gets there, this is Bartimaeus' hometown. Now, if you can understand Scripture in the context in which it was written then, you will understand the context in which it's meant for you today. So if you can understand it in the way it was designed you can then understand how it is designed for you. So Bartimaeus is in Jericho in need, and you're in Sugar Hill in need. Now, you could say, like people say in my office sometimes, well, you know, Bartimaeus had worse than me, Chuck. I mean, you know, I, I can see Bartimaeus has it worse than me. Here's the beauty of how God works. Whatever is your greatest need is number one on his list. You say, well, how does he do that? I don't know. He's God, I'm not. Right? I mean, I, it's so hard for me to have a number one and make your number one my number one. But God has the ability to look at your need, whether it is like Bartimaeus, he is physically blind, or maybe for many of you online or in the room, you're spiritually blind. I mean, it's pretty challenging. So what do we do? Well, let's learn what Bartimaeus did. The first thing Bartimaeus wanted was he desired change. You know, if you, if you don't desire change, you won't change. Yogi Berra once said, nobody likes change except a baby. My grandson Grove is over there, and every time it's time to change him, he screams bloody murder. He doesn't even like change. But you know what I've learned is that if you desire change, it is the first step towards having something different in your life. So you got to desire change. Bartimaeus wanted to see. Helen Keller once made this statement. She was asked, isn't it terrible to be blind? And her reply was, it is better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. I mean, I think some of us are so spiritually blind in this room. We are blinded from all that God wants us to be, all that God has for us, and all that God desires for us to become. As a result, we stop where we are, we stop growing, we start, stop desperately needing him, and we stop trying to change because we say things like, well, that's just the way I am. Well, here's the good news about God. Just the way you are was never intended to stay there. Because you were built to change. You were wired to change. And what was it we were wired to change toward? To become more like him. You cannot be more like him unless you have a desire to change to become more like him. He loves you so much, he is not going to put an electric shock collar on you and zap you every time you don't. He wants you to love him because he first loved you and you want to desire that change. So when we first start, we must want to start out of a desire. Now watch this. You could say, Chuck, I'm not spiritually blind. I was saved at vacation Bible school 25 years ago. All right. Let me ask you this question. Over these past 24, 25 years, have you done anything to walk with Christ? Well, Chuck, I come to church every week. I would know plenty of people come to this church every single week and they are as spiritually blind as Ray Charles is physically blind. I know plenty of people who show up and play Stevie Wonder at church looking around, acting like they know God when all they're doing is playing the game of playing Christian and showing up at church thinking you've done God a favor by coming to church. Let me just stop and say to you, God is not in the business of giving you gold stars on your forehead because you came to church. He wants you to have a heart with a desire 
to change. To change what? To become more like him. When we did the podcast, we talked about the science of sanctification. Sanctification happens this. There will be people today who will say, Jesus, I'm asking you to become my Lord. I'm calling on you to save me today. There will be people in this room and online that will say yes to Jesus. When they do, the Spirit of God enters their life. That's why preachers say, ask Jesus into your heart. The Spirit of God is a gift that Jesus gives you, and immediately he starts doing what's called sanctification. What that is, is he begins kind of power washing your soul that you become more like Christ over time, over a long period of time. You know what I've learned? My sanctification is like Mother May I. Some days I make three steps toward Jesus, and other days I make two steps backward. Are you with me? I mean, I know y'all are more spiritual than me, but honestly, I have days where I just totally mess up. I don't have a desire to change, and I don't want to get it. But you know what else Bartimaeus did? He didn't just have a desire to change. Bartimaeus stopped waiting and he acted. I mean, he could have looked around and said, you know, with all this crowd, I can't do this. Look at all these people. I mean, there's no way. I'm in the middle of the road. What am I going to do? I mean, how am I going to get to Jesus? I mean, they can't even hear my voice. I'm screaming, Lord, save me. I need to see Jesus, son of David. Can you imagine there he is beginning every morning and there, there Bartimaeus is begging and, but, you know, the, the town is coming alive, and he starts hearing the voices that Jesus, the Messiah, is on his way, and he's thinking, maybe it's my day. You know, and he, he hears the little kids starting to play, and he hears the crowd getting larger, and he hears the buzz of everything going on. He's like, it's my day, it's my day, it's my day. And then all of a sudden he says, Jesus, I need you to help me see. And the crowd says, shut up. He didn't care about you. You're nothing. You're a nobody. He doesn't even see you. (laughs) Did Bartimaeus say, well, okay. Those Christian people, they're just not very nice. They're not good people. You know, I'm not going to see Jesus today because of those hypocrites. I hear that all the time. Why would I go to church with a bunch of hypocrites? Well, come on and join us. We're, we, we freely admit it. We are total hypocrites. I mean, all day, every day. I mean, I'm the lead hypocrite in the church. I mean, I, that ought to be on my business card. Chuck Allen, lead hypocrite, Sugar Hill Church. <laughs> Just come on and join in. Well, you know what? I, I've been to church, and I, I had a bad experience. Me too. In this room. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what? I mean, but Jesus doesn't know me. He doesn't hear me. Listen, the Jesus who walked into Jericho is the same Jesus that walks up and down the aisles and rows of this church right now. And while Bartimaeus is saying, heal me, help me, and the people are saying, hush, he didn't care about you, Jesus stops. Now listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 2. He said, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. I don't know about you, but man, I like it when people stop to hear me. I like it when I'm heard. One of my favorite things about my wife is that she listens to me. I love that. I love the fact that Jenny's not thinking about what she's going to say. She actually listens to me. That is awesome. You know what? Right now, as you're thinking about Jesus in your brain, he's listening to you. He hears you. He, He wants to know you. He wants you to know him because he already knows all the things about you. And he hears you. The scripture goes on and says, on the day of salvation, I helped you indeed. The right time is now, today. 
is the day of salvation. You say, but now, Paul was saying that thousands of years ago, Chuck. Yeah, but God is saying it now, that today is the day of salvation. The time of change is when God convinces us that we're going to have a desire to change, and we're not going to let the crowd keep us away, because the next thing Bartimaeus did, he stopped thinking about what other people would say. Well, you know, what if they look at me and think, well, I thought you were saved in VBS. Well, yeah, but this is why I've also lived like hell for the last 25 years. I need help. Well, Chuck, I, what, are you, what, what are they going to think about me? I mean, what, what if I've claimed to be a Christian all these years and I, now I'm saying I want to become a Christian? You know what I've learned about the people here at this church? They're a lot different than that crowd in Jericho. The crowd in Jericho is like, hush, he, he doesn't care about you. People here are part like the Red Sea to let you come to Jesus. They're going to cheer for you. They're going to clap for you. They're going to, they're going to be, that's my boy. Let's go. Stop thinking about it. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby, and he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did the crowd say? Be quiet. Nobody cares about you. You're a nobody. And Bartimaeus didn't care. He kept going. He cried out to Jesus in faith. And when he, when he had heard that Jesus of Nazareth He began to cry and say, have mercy on me. Here's what I know, and I pray for you. If you're here today and you're spiritually blind, meaning you've kind of shut down the things of God in you, around you, for you, and on your benefit, and you've kind of shut that down because you've decided I can do it all on my own and God doesn't care, you're in the same shape Bartimaeus was at. But Bartimaeus has something I pray you have today. Bartimaeus didn't have any eyesight, but he had a really good insight. His insight was that he was convinced that God was passing by in the form of Jesus the Son. I have a crystal clear insight that in this room, the Spirit of God is passing by you right now in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, wanting to call you and say, I see you. I know you. What is it you want? I mean, Jesus stopped. Could you imagine this crowd? Hush, leave him alone. He's important. He didn't have time for you. And then all of a sudden, Jesus turns, and he sees this old, dirty, nasty old man that can't see. He says, hey, come on over here. You know, the crowd all of a sudden went from hush to broke. You better go. I mean, clearly, they they could have been in Washington. And here he comes. And Jesus, of all the things, looks at Bartimaeus and says, Dude, what is it you want? You know what Bartimaeus could have said? I'm trying to lose a few pounds. That'd be awesome. He could have said, You know, I'm running a little short on rent this week. But see, he had a bigger need. He he had something that no doctor could fix, no hospital could fix. He had something nobody could fix. And he looked at Jesus and he said, I need to see. You know, the, the picture here is as the Spirit of God walks up in the down the aisles and rows and he stops at you and he says, what is it that you need? What is it you want from me? Stop asking God for little, bitty, tiny things things. Pray bold. Pray big. 
ask God to do something that you could have never imagined because that's his job, not yours. But you got to trust him with it. You got to ask for it. You know what the Bible says? You don't have because you don't ask and you don't ask because you have no faith. Barmatus hadn't, he didn't have jack, man. The only thing he wanted was, I want to see. And God in the presence of Jesus looked at him and said, got it. And instantly, dude could see. But you know what the scripture says? The next thing he did, he followed Jesus. I would too. I do what I do today because I know what he did for me back then. And I ain't giving up. I'm walking with him all the way to heaven. And I invite you to do the same thing. For some of you right now, it's not about writing a word on a rock for your year. For some of you right now, it's settling Jesus as Lord and your Savior. For some of you, it's saying, Jesus, I need you. And this is what I need. I need a Savior. You said, why do I need a Savior? Watch this. This is so beautiful. God made us perfect. Adam and Eve messed up. From that moment on, sin's been in the world. You say, but I'm not a bad person. Didn't say you were. I just said that you sinned, because we all do. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning we're not perfect. I mean, if you're perfect, raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, so we all have 100% chance of dying, and we all have 100% of having screwed up this life. You put them all together, and you say, how do I fix this? I ask Jesus to step into my life, clean me up, make me new, and walk with him. I want to follow him. You say, Chuck, do I have to join your church? Nope. Do I have to get baptized? Nope. Do I have to walk an aisle? Nope. What do I have to do? The Bible says it this way. Call on the name of the Lord. Chuck, I don't know how to call on the name of the Lord. Okay. What if it sounds like this? Are you ready? Matter of fact, if this wants to be your prayer, make it your prayer right now. Just look right here. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. God, I mean, really, he's not impressed with that. Just pray like this. Jesus, will you forgive me? I'm a sinner. Step into my life like you did Bartimaeus. Make me new. And I, I want to walk with you. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. And I want to thank you. You died for me. You rose from the dead for me. And when I ask you to come into me, you're creating a home for heaven in me. And Jesus, that's what I'm asking for right now. I'm calling on your name to do that. And if that's the desire of your heart today, if that was your prayer today, maybe for the first time, maybe for the tenth time. But you need to settle it today. In a minute, I'm going to invite people to come to these tables and write a word for their year. But I'm going to ask you to come see me right in the middle of this room. I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. There'll be people everywhere. There ain't nobody be watching you. Just come up here. Let me pray with you. You want to give, you want to give your life to Christ? It's that simple. It's not the walk to me. It's nothing I've got. It's all in Jesus. But come up and let me just pray with you. In the meantime, I'm going to ask people in a minute to step out and come up here and grab a rock. Everybody at 930 did this. I, I grabbed mine. I'd been praying about my word. And all week, all month, we've been talking about moving toward this. We've done it for eight or nine years around here. Now we're, we take a rock at the early in the year and we have a word that we lay out. We believe God's put on our heart to say, this is, this is my word for the year. You know, when... Joshua and the Israelites walked into the promised land. God said, go back into the river and grab some rocks and bring them out and create 
a monument to remind you of my goodness. That's the purpose behind this rock. My, Jenny and I, go, we go right beside the coffee maker so that every morning we can't help but miss the word. It'll help guide this direction all through the year. I know people who send me pictures every time this year of rocks from years gone by that has just kind of guided them. So in a minute, I'm going to invite you to come. There's, there's pins, there's rocks. You can go all the way around the front, the back, the side. And you know, it's just going to take a little while. Just come on. But I want to go back to some folks in this room that need to settle their walk with Jesus. Before you go there, come here. And you say, well, I don't even know what to tell you. Chuck, I'm not spiritual. I'm not religious. I don't know what to say. Well, do what young black dude did at 930. Just bless my heart. And I said, man, how can I pray for you? He said, I need Jesus. I said, well, I got you, man. I got you. And I just thought, that this is the coolest thing that I ever do in my life. It's watching people come to Christ. So in a minute, we're, I, where are the singers at? Do y'all need to come to Jesus? <laughs> it's always the old guy plays the bass as last. So while they come to Jesus, you come too. They're going to play a little bit, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to pray for you. When I say amen, get up and come to your rock. For some of you, it's like, Chuck, I don't want to ride on a rock. I don't want to get up. I don't want to walk. You... You can go on our app and you can literally put your rock in it and I'll get a note so I can pray for you. And you can do that on the apps. Know that I'll be praying for you 30 days every day about your rock. So friend, don't miss Jesus. He's walking up in the aisles and rows right now. And I want you to come tell me about it. Father, thank you for your love and for your goodness and for your mercy. I pray today there'd be people who would do like Bartimaeus and they wouldn't let the crowd keep them from coming to you. They wouldn't let what people say keep you from praying. They wouldn't let the crowd talk them out of it. But they let your Holy Spirit guide them and direct them straight into your presence. God, for the folks that will come up here and write these words on this rock, let it guide their year. Let it be so driven by you that we would create change in the way we think, like Paul said, the renewing of our minds. Our actions and our reactions would change as we grow to become more like you. And use this time in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come to Jesus. Come to your rock. Y'all come on. Don't let this crowd keep you from him. Don't let your pride keep you from him. I'll be waiting on you.
have your rock with you, go ahead and be thinking about where can you put it this week? What is that place that you could put it where you could see it every day? And then if you're willing to, go ahead and pull out the Sugar Hill Church app and you'll see right at the top of the app, once you launch it, Rock Sunday. And we'd love for you, even if you put it on your rock, to go ahead and drop your word in the app. It's totally anonymous, but our team would love to pray for you every day for 30 days for that word. And so if you're in your seats, I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, putting it in the app and where you'd put the rock. If you're still coming to the tables, the tables are wide open. Feel free to write on your rock. If you need prayer, we invite you to come down. Some people may even want to just use this altar as a prayer place between you and your heavenly father. But let's continue just in that spirit of worship and that spirit of prayer. like watching God move. There ain't nothing like watching God move. There is nothing in the world like watching God move. I know the hour's late, and I know, I know church people right now are thinking, Chuck, I got to get out of here. I got things to do. And in the middle of all that, God says, just hold your horses for just a minute. Could we just celebrate that I know six people came to me and said, I gave my life to Christ today. 
I had people walk up to me and say, would you pray for my family? Would you pray for my life? Would you ask that Jesus would take over? Friend, let me tell you, that that's not playing church when you do that. That's not faking Christian when you do that. That's laying all your junk aside and saying, Christ, I'm following you. So this week, let this be your prayer. Jesus, will you go before me and make a way and make my crooked path straight? Jesus, will you go within me and bring me peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because I know that you are always good and I am always loved. And Jesus, when things go south, will you pick me up? Will you carry me not around the problem but right through the stinking middle of it only to set me down victoriously on my two feet and wipe away my tears? Kiss me on the forehead and wrap me up with your big arms. Draw me up close to yourself so I can hear you, my Savior, say, my child, come on, say it with me. I love you. Woo! Glory. I don't know what to say about this. Y'all go in peace. <laughs>